The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Sukkah has been dedicated by Celia and Isaac Jamal. Hashem Alehem Yehu Amen for the Hatzlecha of their dear children. May they see much nachat from all of them. May they all grow up and get married in the right time and have children healthily, happily with berachah vatzlacha. And may they see uh, descendants and descendants of their descendants. Ad bi'ad go'el sedek. Amen. The Masechet has also been dedicated Le'ilu Nishmat Sarah Bat Adel Ruach Hashem Tanihena Began Eden Amen Again by Celia and Isaac Jamal To school the Mitzvot His daf is being studied Le'ilu Nishmat Nuria Ben Noga Shneftar Bekitsur Yamim Veshanim Ruach Hashem Tanihena Began Eden Amen Daf Nun Gimal Today's daf is being studied on Nishmat Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihenu began Aiden Amen. Today's daf is being studied on Nishmat Amir Muhammad. And if Tanif Kitsuri Amin Vishani Mazal Bad Frida. Ruach Hashem Tanihenu began Aiden Amen. We begin today's daf on Nun Bet Amud Bet, right on the right on the bottom line. So we said the uh, lights from the Sulhabit al-Shu'ibah, from the menorot, was so bright. So there was four menorot, and uh, each one had four bulbs that they would light uh, for the oil. And it was so bright that every courtyard in Jerusalem was illuminated from the menorah. And we said that uh, the ladies were uh, able to... Uh, it was so bright that the ladies were able to select their wheat from the chaff and from the uh, impurities from the light of the Simha of the Beta Shoeva. That's how that's how beneficial it was. So the Tosafut says, What are you talking about? How could you benefit from the light of the Beta Shoeva? That's a suit of from it. Even though it might not be Mi'ila. Because there's no me'ila by light, by something that's not tangible, but he says it's still asur nonetheless. So Tosafot learns potentially they would have been able to check the wheat, but they didn't actually check the wheat because you can't benefit from the light of the kedusha of uh, the sababat shoeva. Hasidim and Shemase. So we said the Hasidim and Shemase, they would go and sing praises to Kadosh Baruch Hu. That's the righteous people, right? So it says, Tarun Banan, Yesh Ben Umrim. Some of the Hasidim would say, Ashrei Aldutenu. Fortunate is our youth, Shelo Bisha Idziknutenu. That did not embarrass our old age. Which means, uh, the praise that they said was that Baruch Hashem, we didn't sin when we were young, that we would become embarrassed. When we were old, these were the Hasidim, meaning from birth they were religious. And then when there was a Baruch Hashem, we have nothing to be embarrassed of. Our, our, our youth was good, and therefore in our uh, old days you have nothing to be ashamed of. That nobody could say, oh, we remember when. Uh, there was something came from birth. Elu Hasidim. That's referring to the Hasidim Hashem And the men of good deeds. And some said, Fortunate are we in our old age. That was mechapeh, that atoned for what we did when we were young. That's referring to those that repented. 
which means uh, now they became uh, tzaddikim. So they say, Baruch Hashem, we were zokeh at uh, old age, that it's able to atone for what we did when we were young. Elu ve'elu omrim, both the Hasidim and the Ba'alei Teshuvah would say, Hashrem yishelo hata, fortunate is a man that does not sin, humi shehata yashuvim holo, and somebody that sins, let him make Teshuvah, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be more. So that was the, the theme songs that was sung at the Simcha Abet HaShu'ibah. Tanya, Amru alav al Halil HaZakin, they said, regarding Halil HaZakin, who of course was an attendee, of the Sumhabit Shu'ibah. Kishaya Sameh Sumhabit Shu'ibah Shu'ibah when he was happy at the time of Sumhabit Shu'ibah. Amar Ken, he would say the following Imani Khan Akol Khan. Which literally means if I'm here, everybody's here. Vim any Khan, and if I'm not here, Nikan. Who's here? Now who's he referring to? So that she tells us that he was referring to the Shekhinah. When he says Imani Khan and he's not a reference to Hillel. It's not an arrogant statement like this. What he's saying is, if a Kadosh Baruch Hu rests his Shekhinah in this Bet HaMikdash, finish, then everybody's here. Then we all have a purpose. That's why we're here. But if God is not here in this purpose, in this building, in this Bet HaMikdash, He doesn't put His divine presence, uh, who's here then? Then nobody's here. Because we're only here tonight in the Bet HaMikdash because HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Mashleh is Shekhinah. So there was Imani Khan. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here, HaKol Khan. Then everybody's here. But if any can't, me can. Who's going to be here? Look at that. See the way he says it. They're trying to give Musar and Leil. Don't sin. Why? Oh, as long as I want. God says, I will this house. But if you sin. Then there's no, there's no uh, Bet HaMikdash. That Tosfot learns is differently. Tosfot learns, the second Tosfot in the Daf, he says, Imani Khan is referring to Klai Yisrael. We're telling Imani Khan, Akol Khan. If Klai Yisrael is coming in to praise you, Akadot Baruch then everybody is there. Which means Akadot Baruch enjoys the praises of Klai Yisrael. Like it says, Va'akta Kadosh Yoshev Tehillot Yisrael. He sits and enjoys the praises of he says to him Ani, he's saying it as an individual, but he means Imani as Klai Israel. Imani Kanakol Kam. Okay. Who Aya Omer? He used to say the following. Ken. He would say the following. Lamakum Shani Yohef to the place that I Love, sham raglai molichot oti. The place that I love, that I is endeared to me, my legs uh, walk me to that place. Okay, which means to the Bet Hamikdash. He's saying my legs uh, walk me to the place of the Bet Hamikdash. Im el beti. He's talking for God. God says im beti. If you come to my house. And you show up to the Bet HaMikdash, where my divine presence is. And God says, I will come to your house. Which means, uh, the, the Pasuk says, like, uh, Which means, if you come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will come and rest the Shekhinah on us. Okay, that's the way uh, they learn it. But Borei Olam says, this is Hillel saying, 
If you don't come to my house, if you don't make an effort to come close to the Shekinah, I need no avoid. In every place where God's name is mentioned, God says, I will come to you and bless you. So there's giving them Musar during the singing, how you have to get closer to the Shekinah. And then the Gemara tells us another statement of Hillel, not related to the Sanhabit He once saw a skull that was floating on the water. Now this uh, skull was a uh, person that was a murderer himself. He was a thief and uh, he murdered somebody and they murdered him. So now he tells the skull, Because you drowned somebody, they drowned you. He says, Midah connected Midah in the world. Says, what do you think? You just drowned uh, by chance? You must have drowned somebody. And they were, because you killed somebody, they killed you. Mm. However, the soft, as she says, um uh, But those that drowned you, they will get drowned themselves. Because they're not God. And therefore, they, 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 when they drowned you, they didn't do it, uh, the Shem Shamayim. They were also uh, gangsters. So the ones that drowned, you're also going to get drowned as well. Look at Rashi. They cut the guy's head off. And they threw him in the water. He realized that this guy that got killed, he himself was a murderer. So he got what he deserved. He was a murderer. So the, 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 the robbers came and they killed him. Because you floated other skulls in the water, they caused you to float. The day will come. Those that killed you, which means they was espousing the principle of everybody gets what they deserve. Amar Yohanan said, the legs, the feet, the footsteps of man, the legs really of a person, they are his guarantors. To what? To the place where they are claiming him. That's where the legs will bring the person. Which means, a person's legs are... Uh, his age, God's agents to bring a person to his fate. Jesus, if a person is supposed to have shalom die in a certain place, the legs will bring him exactly to that place where he's supposed to be in order shalom for the judgment to be uh, which means a person, when they say in uh, America, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, so the Hanan is dispelling that. He's saying, no, everybody's in the right place at the right time. Which means that's where he was supposed to be. The legs of a person are his guarantor. They put him exactly where uh, the claims are. That she says, uh, To the place where it was destined for him to die. But when a person gets into a, a car accident, so you say, oh, if he wouldn't have been there and standing, no, 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 the legs of a person, they're the guarantors to make sure that the person will be exactly where he's, where he's supposed to be. The Gabbana tells a story on this. 
there were two kushayera. She says these were handsome people, but sometimes the Gemara calls handsome people kushayim, black people. Like uh, it's without you don't want to give ayin to somebody that's handsome, like Moshe's wife. They called her isha kushit. Because she was very beautiful, so they, they don't want to give Ainara, so to speak. So they say, so there was two Kushayet, two handsome men. They actually worked for Shilomo Amelech. They were like his uh, secretaries. Eli Haref, the Ahia, Beneshisha. Eli Haref and Ahia, the sons of Shisha. Soflim de Shlomo. They were actually the scribes of Shilomo. Havu, Havu, they were. Yomahad, one day, Hazyalim alachem mavet, da'ava ka'asib. Shilomo Amelech saw the angel of death that was depressed. Ambar leso, Shilomo tells the malachem mavet, Amai asibat, what are you all upset about? Ambar leso, the kaba'u minai hanitate kusha'e, the yadve'acha, listen, God wants me to take the souls of these two uh, men that are in front of you, that are sitting over here, Okay? But what's the uh, what's the problem? He says I, I can't get them. Why? Because they they really they weren't supposed to die at that spot. They had to be in a different place. So therefore, he says I can't get them. I I, I got to get them to to certain area, and they, they don't want to go there. They're, they're not going there. And I can't take them over here. So that that's what the Balakamah was uh, depressed about. So now, Shulamu Melech said, I, I got to save these uh, people over here. The Machah Mavitz out to get them. Maslinu l'se'idim. Se'idim is the shedim. Shulamu Melech was in control of the demons. So therefore, he came over to the demons, so the demons will take these guys and bring them uh, you know, to a protected area. Shadrinu l'mehuzah de Luz. So they sent them through the shedim to the city of Luz. Now the city of Luz, it was a tradition. Anybody that lives in that city, you can't die. Nobody ever died in the city of Luz. So Shalom Ahmed is figuring, I'll save these guys' lives. Let me send them immediately to Luz. They'll be there, the I won't be able to get them. The second they got to the gates of Luz, they died. Shalom Ahmed, the next day, saw the Malachamavit laughing. Amale, am I badi hot? What are you laughing for? Amale, be'atar deba'u minai taman shadratinu. The place where they needed to be, that's where you sent them. Which means you helped me. That, that's where they needed to be. I, I was only able to kill them at the gates of Luz. So you thought you were outsmarting me. You thought that you sent them to Luz. I needed to get them to the, the gates of Luz because that's what they're supposed to do. So I'm laughing. You thought you were going to outsmart me. On the contrary, you helped me. You brought me. You brought up the exact spot where they were supposed to die. Be'atar de ba'u minai, the place that I needed them to be tamar over there. Shadritinu, that's where you sent them. Miyad patach shelomo ve'avar. Shelomo at that moment said, "Raglohi de barinish." The legs, the the feet of a person. Inun arbin be. They are his guarantors. To the place where he's nitbah, where the, the claims are against him. The legs bring a person uh, to the place, which means a person will always be in the place where he's destined to be, where he's supposed to be. Means, you can't outsmart. He just tried to outsmart Adraba. The legs were actually bringing them closer to their fate. Tanya, Amru Alab Arabat Shimon Gamliel. They said about Arabat Shimon Gamliel, who was the Nasi. 
when he was enjoying this avukot he would take eight torches. He would throw one up and catch one. That's uh, juggling. So he would, that was his Samhai, he would juggle the, uh, the eight uh, torches. Now, of course, there's probably a reason why he picked eight, and what was the purpose why Davka told you there was Kavanot behind it, but there was the Samha that he had. And Rabban Shulgim also, when he would bow and prostrate himself, he would take his two thumbs and thrust them on the ground, and then he would bend, and his face would be uh, face down on the ground, and kiss the ground, and then he would cause his rest of his body to be uh, elevated. So it was like a handstand on his uh, headstand on his thumbs, but he would through his thumbs he would elevate his his body up. So all he had is his face, face down on the ground, pushing the ground. The end called and not everybody was able to to do such a feat. This is the kida. Uh, Whenever it says in the pasuk, kida is a special type of bowing where just the person's face is hitting the ground. And the reason why he did that was because the pasuk says, uh, the pasuk says, where the servants of God they yearn and they love the stones of. Eretz Yisrael. So he would kiss the stones in that fashion to show his love of Eretz Yisrael. So in his generation, Abad Shmuel Gamaliel was the one that knew how to do kida. Kamara says, Levi, ahve kida kamei One time Levi, he uh, performed kida in front of Levi, v'etla. He dislocated his hip. It seems the pressure when you're lifting your body, he put a lot of pressure on his waist. And that caused him uh, to become uh, lame. So the Gebrah says, Is that what caused Levi to become lame? When he was uh, uh, demonstrating Kidah? Gebrah says in a different place, A person should never uh, cast things, say words towards God uh, that are uh, confrontational. There was one man that casted words towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu And as a result of it, God punished him and made him lame So you see over here, it wasn't the Kida that did it It was the it was the fact that he casted words What did he say? The Gebarah says in Ta'anit, uh, there was no rain So he said, You went upstairs and you're not watching us anymore, which means uh, you left us. You're upstairs uh, wherever you are, and you left your children uh, to suffer. And that was strong, uh, strong words. So therefore, it's because of those strong words that he told the Lord Baruch Hu, but that punished him. So the Gemara says, Both caused him to get uh, lame. Which means... That the real sin was because he was He spoke to God in a confrontational way now God for some reason had mercy on him he didn't punish him right away but once Levi put himself in a dangerous position where he needed Rahamim from Shamayim now Borelam says he's vulnerable now you can get him which means sometimes Borelam has mercy on a person 
But once you put yourself in danger, then already it's much easier, so to speak, for the Satan to, to get punished because already you put yourself in the danger. That's what the Gibran says. You never put yourself in the place of Sakana because you're making it easy now, Hazrat Shalom, to, to open the books on you. Say, maybe he deserves to get uh, punished. Why should we save him? That's what the Gibran says in Shabbat that, uh, to, that tells the uh, Shohit. When you see your ox fall down, hurry up, sharpen your knife. Because already you see the luck of the the shore is is down. That's that's the time to that's the time to kill him. When the ox falls, that's the time to to get him. That's the time to sharpen your knife. So comes the Gemara and says, Levi Aba Mitayil Levi would uh, entertain uh, in front of Rabbi Bitamane Sakine. He would juggle eight knives. Rabbi, uh, a certain period in his life, went through tremendous tsar because of Christ, Israel's avonot uh, uh, and the situation, and he was uh, despondent or he was upset. Rabbi, so Rabbi uh, would come and cheer him up, and they would uh, he would uh, you know juggle knives. So the Mefarshim said, Aruch Lanin explains where is he juggling the knives. He was trying to tell Rabbi that you don't have to be upset. Says, you are protecting uh, Kla Yisrael Just like I'm able to juggle knives Which is very dangerous And I don't uh, get hurt Because I know what I'm doing So too in your Zechut Rabbi Kla Yisrael is being You're, you're saving Kla Yisrael from much uh, hardship Because of your uh, Zechut Because of your existence it Says uh, Rabbi accepted the Yisurin of Kla Yisrael on him that's what they say. On the days that Rabbi would smile, Purarut would come on Klai Yisrael. Which is as long as he was suffering, Ayyusay was saved from uh, suffering. Once he would smile, and then he killed the Purarut would go back on Klai Yisrael. Shemuel, Kamesh Bor Malka, Shemuel would entertain in front of the king, Shapur, who was a Persian king, Betemanya Mazgeh Hamra, with eight glasses of wine. He would juggle eight glasses of wine, and the... Uh, the expertise was he was able to juggle the wine and the wine would remain in the cup. It would not uh, leave. And there was symbolism uh, of there uh, as well. Uh, symbolism when they were trying to say that he's going to have uh, uh, a, a life, a long life, and he's going to uh, succeed. Abaye Kameh de Rabah. Abaye would entertain in front of Rabah. Betimanya He would juggle eight eggs. And some say he would juggle four eggs. Tanya, Amar of Yeshua ben Hanania, Kishayinu Simehim Simhabet Shoeva, Lord Ainu Shena Bainenu. Says, on those days when we were celebrating Simhabet Shoeva, we didn't sleep. Kesa, so he gives you the schedule. They woke up in the morning, Shahari Shona Tamichel Shahar. Right away to crack a dawn, right away to the Beta Bigdash, Korban Tamichel Shahar. Misham, the Twilah. Then we went to pray Shaharit. Misham, the Qurban Musaf. Back to the Beit HaMikdash, Qurban Musaf. Misham, the Tfilat Musafim. Then we went to pray Musaf. Misham, the Beit HaMidrash. And you go learn. This is uh, the, 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 the holiday, the, 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 the Sukkot. Misham, the Akhila Vishtiyah. After the Beit HaMidrash, then they went and they ate and drank. Misham, the Tfilat Minha. Then they went to pray Minha. Misham, the Tamishu Ben Arvayim. Then they go and they bring the Qurban. Mikan, the Ilach, after they went to Qurban, the afternoon already, the Subha, the Shoeva. And the Surah Shoeva lasted all night until the morning. And then it started again. So as we went, what he's saying is we went a week without sleeping. 
A guy makes a swear. I swear I'm not going to sleep for three days. What do they do to him? Malkin Oto. On the spot, you give him lashes. Why? Because it's a Shavuat Shav. Because such a Shavuat cannot be kept. It's impossible for a human being to go for three days without sleeping. So therefore... You give him lashes immediately. You don't, you don't wait for him to try. We know he's not going to succeed. You can't do that. You cannot go without sleeping for three days. And then what does it say? Then he can go to sleep immediately. Which means his vow means nothing. Which means don't think he has to try. Once you whip him, finish. You got to put him to his avon and let him go to sleep. So how could the rabbi say that they went for a week without sleeping? We didn't taste Real sleep. We were dozing off on each other's shoulders. Because as they were dancing in the Sabah, they were dozing off. So they, they, they showed him a question over here. Uh, what do you mean it was Sukkot? I can I sleep outside the Sukkah? Uh, what do you mean they were dozing off over here? How could you doze off? So you have to say that since they were involved in the Mitzvah, or Sigma Mitzvah, Patumina Mitzvah, it's like we said, Shiduhai um, Mitzvah, our exempt, this was. Part of them is also called to be outside and being a bismha. So there was those off, they were not bound to uh, the sukkahs. And yes, the Rabbah says, Hamesh Okay, we said part of the process of the Sabha B'Nishwa was 15 steps that went from the Azrat Israel through Sha'ani Kanor, 15 steps down into the Azrat Nashim. And they would go down the steps, and the, all the Devim had their. Instruments on the steps, and uh, they had the uh, simha. So now we're going to discuss the uh, 15 steps of it. What was this? Why 15 steps? What were they? Uh... Amar told a certain scholar, rabbi, a certain scholar used to say over agata, like dirashot in front of Rav Hazda. So Rav Hazda tells the, the rabbi, Amar Leh, Shami'a alaq hani hamish islam ma'alot kanigad mi amaram David. These 15 shira ma'alots in Tehilim. Do you know uh, why David Amelech shira ma'alot? Ma'alot literally means the song of elevation or ascension. Why would, what's the logic? What was David Amelech said? 15 Tehilims that start off with shira ma'alot or shira ma'alot. What was the, what was the reason? Did you hear anything about that? So the rabbi says, Amar Deh, Haki Amar Buhanan. B'Sha'ash, Kara David Shittin, David Amelech was digging the Shittin. According to this opinion, uh, the Shittin were not from Shittin, according to this opinion, it was David that actually dug under the foundation of the Mizbeah. There was no Mizbeah at the time. In the future, Shalomov built the Mizbeah, but he dug the foundation to the Shittin, or that she gives an ultimate explanation that no, that uh, the Shittim were Meshit Shemim Maseh Bereshit, but they just got clogged up. You know, so therefore, he just needed to uncover them to make it, uh, you know, to clear them up. In any event, when David Amelik was digging, he was making those excavations underground, Kapa Tehoma. He hit the Tom. He hit the, the water main underground, and now all of a sudden the Tehom, which is the water of the depth, started to. Started to rise, which means he hit the he hit the water. There's water underneath the ground, and therefore what? he hit the he hit the water and it came up. <laughs> and now the water was going to flood the whole world. He couldn't stop the water. The water was just coming out of the ground and it was going to flood the whole world. Amar David Hamish Ma'alot. So David said the fifteen Shira Ma'alots and the water went back down. So the Fazdas says, what are you talking about? Ihache, Hamish Shisle Ma'alot, 
Yurdot Nubayle. It's to say Shira Yuridot. The song of, of dissension, of going down. That's Shira Ma'adot. What are you talking about? Doesn't make sense. So I'm there. So the rabbi said, Oh, you reminded me what the Darash was. Hu'id Badrachatan. Uh, since you reminded me, but this is, this is what the statement was. When David Amelik was digging the shitin, the foundations of the Mizbeah, again, the Tehom rose up, and it was going to flood the entire world. Amar David, so David Amelik says, Does anybody know? He was with all his advisors. Does anybody have a heter? for me to write the Shema Meforash on a piece of uh, chard, on a piece of uh, pottery, and I'll throw it into the Tehom, and it will, it will calm down. That's David his angle was, he thinks if I write the Shema Meforash, and drop it in, and the Shem will cause the waters to secede. Uh, but the question was, by putting it in there, you're erasing Hashem's name. So he says, uh, anybody know if we're allowed to do this? Can we erase uh, Hashem's name in the, uh, in the water? But as she says over here, Why do you want to write it on Hades? Because Hades floats. I'm sorry. So it sinks. And therefore he wanted to get the Shem uh, all the way down to the opening. Okay? He wanted it to get down to the, to the hole. He found this piece of pottery that on the hole itself and on the when he was digging and on the piece of pottery it said that these uh, this hole was here already from so he wanted to take that piece of pottery that he found at, you know, plugging up the uh, the whole, he wanted to write Shem Mifurash on it and drop it back in. So he asked, does anybody know if we're allowed to do this? Nobody told him anything. He didn't get an answer. Amar David, anybody that knows the answer to this question and does not say, he'll be choked to death. Haitofel was one of David's advisors who uh, eventually lost his Hanak and eventually died through choking because once already David Amelech said it, even though uh, even though Haitofel is going to give him the answer, doesn't matter. The Gizarab that Sadiq comes true regardless. This is Haitofel's logic. And what to make peace between man and his wife? In the case of the sota, where a man suspects his wife, impropriety, Amra Torah, the Torah says, Shemish and Ikhtab Biktusha. My name is Shemikdusha, Yimahi Alamayim. But you erase God's name, that she drinks the waters, in order that uh, we can make shalom between man and his uh, wife. La Asot Shalom, Nechol Aulam Kulo, Alahat Kama Vikama. Here we're going to make, to keep peace in the entire world. Just to make peace between two people. Here, the whole world's destroyed, this is it, it's gone. So they keep peace in the entire world, all the more so we can raise Hashem's name. So I thought Katab Shem Ahaspa. So he wrote the Shem on the pottery. He threw it into the depths. Now the water went down sixteen thousand amut. He's not only the work, but the water receded all the way very, very low. 
Ki hazed and ahay tuba. When he saw the water went down so much, Amar, kamad midle tafeh mirtav alma. Means the higher the water is, the more moist and fertile the ground will be. Which means the ground also receives water from the depths. It's too low. So it's, it's beneficial for the water to be higher. So what did he do? Amar hamesh ma'alot. So when he said shira ma'alot, he said it fifteen times. The aske hamisar garmidi. So he elevated the waters now fifteen thousand amot higher. The garmidi. Right, and the water now was just receded a thousand amma under the. Under the water, which was a good, uh, a good spot. Amar odash ma'amina sumchadarga al figar midi. From here we learn that the thickness of the earth is a thousand amot. Which means you dig a thousand amot, then you'll hit water. Kevarat, so what do you mean? Ve'ahazyan dechadina and purta ve'rafak ma'ya. But we see we dig much less, and we hit water. So Amar Rav Meshachiyahu misulad deprat. That's from the ladders of Nehar Perat. Nahar Prat's waters, because the, the way the Nahar Prat Euphrates River was situated, the water pressure of Nahar Prat would cause the waters underground to go higher than the 1,000 Amman levels. So yet, when you're talking about that spot over there, that's from the Euphrates River. The water pressure of the Euphrates River causes the water to rise within the 1,000. That's why you find. But generally speaking, the water is 1,000 Amman underneath. And as she uh, um, says uh, this in the Buddha Matheel, Sulmeh de Prat. They call it the ladders of Prat because it's as if the waters are being taken by a ladder and being... Uh, elevated to higher uh, terrain. Okay, comes the Gemara and continues. Okay, now it says that the Kohanim would go down to the tenth step and they would blow the Shofar. Now they're on their way out of the Beit HaMikdash and they're about to draw the water. So they leave the Aizat Yisrael and start going down the steps. So the Gemara says a question. When it says to the tenth step. Tenaqit hamisha. Does it mean that they went down five steps? Vika'e'a'asara. And they're on the tenth step? They're starting from Isa'i Sled. Does it mean they went down five? Now there's on the tenth step before. Is that Nashim? Or Dilma Dinaqit Asara. Or maybe the Mishnah means they went down ten steps. Vika'e'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'
And they defecated And she says that when it says It really means Meaning towards the Shekinah But the, the, the Gemara doesn't want to write that's why it says that they weren't just facing but they actually uh, did such a uh, such a defecation in front of Akadosh Baruch ok, comes the Gemara and says and they would say we are for God and God is for us now the problem in this statement is that they repeated God's name back to back. And what's the problem with that? Ini ve'amar bizera bizera said kol shema shema. Anybody that repeats the pasuk of shema, they say shema Shema They repeat the pasuk of shema twice in a row. Kilu omer modim modim. It's like he says modim modim. What's the problem of saying modim modim? He says hadr shalom. There's two deities. And if we say Shema Yisrael if there's one God, they say Shema Yisrael again, there's another God. So that's a, it's a problem. So therefore, the Gemara says, how are they allowed to say this thing of Anu, Leya, Udiya, and then it's Masra, Hasbun Shalom, it's saying God's name twice in a row. Elachi Amri. I going to say it like this. Hema Mishtahavim Kedma. They used to bow to the east. The Anu, Leya, Mishtahavim. We're bowing to God, and our eyes are to God, anticipating, which means they would split it up, they didn't put the name of Hashem, back there, they made two statements, we are, uh, they, they did this, and we did that, and they had these words, uh, separating them, so they wasn't considered doing it, uh, you know, saying Hashem's name, uh, back to back. Yeah. They said it on two on two things that she said. They didn't say it on one one sentence. Right? They, 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 they split it up. Comes the Gemara and says. Actually, comes the Mishnah. Now we discuss that on a daily basis in the Beit Hamikdash, they used to blow the shofar for different events. So the Gemara, the Mishnah is going to tell us now what was the minimum amount of sounds that were blown on any given day and what was the maximum amount that was ever blown on a given day. So the Mishnah says, Which means the minimum was 21. Now when we say 21 tiki'ot, when we say tiki'ot, according to the it means tiki'ah, tiru'ah, tiki'ah. That's considered three sounds. Okay, so altogether it was 21 sounds, which would mean seven sets of tiki'ah, tiru'ah, tiki'ah. Ve'in musifin al-arba'in mushmona. And the maximum that they would blow on any given day was 48. So that's the 16 uh, sets. So that's the range. It's anywhere from seven sets to 16 sets, which is 21 sounds to 48 sounds. Now, bechol yom hayusham islim v'ahat... Tikiot b'megdash. How? Shalosh liftihat sharim. In the morning they would open the gates. Yeah, they have to open the gates to get in. So they would open the gates. They would blow tikiot teruah tikiah. V'teshah letamid shel shachar. They would blow an additional nine sounds for during the korban tamid shel shachar, the morning korban. V'teshah letamid shel ben arbaim. 
And nine more for the afternoon. So that's nine and nine is eighteen plus three, twenty-one. That's a minimum daily uh, sounds. Or musafin and the day that there was a etc. Shabbat hayu musafin Another nine. Okay, so that takes you to thirty. Shabbat on Fridays hayu musafin shesh. Next was six. Why? Shalosh leftir they would blow the shofar before Shabbat to tell the people, okay, time to go home. Stop working. Right? That was like the alarm. So they know already they got to go home and get ready for Shabbat. And then the shalosh lehavdil mikodesh lehol. And then three more right before Shabbat would enter so they know now already it's uh, Shabbat already. So it was an additional six. So that would take you to 36. Erev Shabbat Shabbatuch Ahag. Now for Erev Shabbat, a Friday that came out in the middle of the holiday. Hayu Sham Arba'im Ushmona. That's when you had Maximum uh, sound, 48. How? Three, for opening of the gates. Now, three, when they opened the upper gate. The lower gate. Which means, on the holiday, uh, they used to go out of these gates uh, on Erev Shabbat to get the water. Mm-hmm. So we said they would go out of the gates of the Bet HaMikdash. So besides the regular opening gates in the morning, there was other gates, Shari Alion, which was Shari Nikanor, and Shari Tahton, that's the gate on the eastern side of the Bet HaMikdash they would exit from. So they would also blow the Shofarot at those junctures. And there was an additional three that they blew at the time of the Milui Hamayim, right? Filling the uh, water. Actually, when they came back into Shara Mayim, the water gate, they used to blow the shofar uh, an additional time. Vishalosh al Mizbayah. An additional three al Mizbayah, when they used to walk around the Mizbayah with the Araba. On Sukkot, they used to walk around with Araba. So they also, we learned above, they would make Tikiyah Tiru'ah. Tikiyah. Tish Chalit Tamid Shal Shahar. Because it was Friday. So therefore, altogether you have 48. Now the Gemara is going to ask, you skipped one. Remember we learned just now that when they were on the 10th step, they would also blow Tikiyat Tiruach on the way out. Besides when they opened Shani Kanor and Shar Hatahton, they would blow on the steps. So they didn't count that one. So seemingly it should be 51. So anyway, that's the count of, uh, of sounds. Comes the Gemara and says... Now, actually want to read Rashi. He just gives you the system of the nine sounds that were blown during the Tamid Shal Shahar. Where they get nine sounds? Rashi. When they would pour the wine on the Mizbayah, during the Qurban Tamid, the Levim would sing songs. There were three chapters that Levim would sing. That between each chapter, the Qurban would, would stop. They would blow in between the chapters. They would bow down. 
that when, between each pair there was a tikiyah, every tikiyah there was a, a bow. Every tikiyah has a tikiyah before it, and a tikiyah after it. They call it a pishuta, because it's a straight, long sound. Okay? Comes the Gemara. Magnitin to look at the Biyuda. Amishnah is not going like the Biyuda. Why? The Tanya, we have a brighter. The Biyuda Omer. Hapohet lo yifchot mesheva. The Mosif lo yosif al sheshesne. The Biyuda has different numbers. He said the minimum amount of sounds was seven. The maximum, sixteen. Well, Amishnah said twenty-one and forty-eight. So therefore, obviously Amishnah is not going like the Biyuda. So give us bimaykam epiligeh. What's the machlokan over here? Rabbi Yehuda savat tikiyah teruah tikiyah ahati. He looks at each set as one mitzvah. For the banan savi tikiyah lehud teruah lehud. Whereas the rabbis look at each sound as a separate mitzvah. So therefore, it is a machlokan. Do you look at the? Uh, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's seven sets because each set is considered one unit, one mitzvah. Whereas the Hachamim, they say no, it's 21. Because they look at each sound as a separate mitzvah. So that's the Mahloket. Now, what's the logic of the Biyuda that he considers them all? Each set is one mitzvah. He says, Amar Kera, the Pasuk says, Utka'atem Tiru'ah. It says, and you will uh, blow a Tiru'ah. Now, what's the, what's the proof? So that she says, it says, and you will blow a utkatem, which is Lashon of a tikiyah. You will blow a tikiyah, tiru'ah. Implying that what? It's all, it's all one. Now we know, it says in one pasuk, utkatem tiru'ah. That means the tikiyah has to come before the tiru'ah. And then we have another pasuk that says that uh, um, the tiru'ah, would come before the tikiyah. So therefore we know that the tikiyah must have been in the middle, and you have a tikiyah before it, and a tikiyah after it. From the fact that the pasuk calls the tikiyah a tikiyah, must be that it's all considered one. That's his proof. Good? Comes the Gibran says, skip the parenthesis, what do the rabbis do? Now, the rabbis come along and say, no, it's not coming to tell you the amount that uh, the tikiyah to is considered one item. It's coming to tell you the order. That first comes a tikiyah, then comes a tiru'ah utka'atim, tiru'ah. And then, as I told you, we have another pasuk that says, tiru'ah yitki'u, which teaches us that the tiru'ah comes before the tikiyah. So therefore you have a tiru'ah in between, tikiyah before tikiyah. So therefore, according to the banan, the pasuk is not coming to tell you how many mitzvot you're fulfilling. It just tells you the order. Utka'atim, tiru'ah, this is tiru'ah yitki'u. To teach me that what? That there's a tikiyah before and a tikiyah after. Good? That comes again with answers, skip the parentheses. Vidabanan, maita'amayu. What's the reason of the rabbis that say we consider them three separate mitzvot? This is why the Chatzoserot uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded to blow, to call the people, to convene the people. So it says, When you're calling the people to convene, Make a tikiyah, but not a tiruah. Now, the hati. if you tell me that each set is considered one mitzvah, so now what is God telling Moshe? 
Well, when you're going to call the people to convene, just blow a tikiyah, which means God said to do half a mitzvah. Does it make sense to do half a mitzvah? Which is, if you, if you look at one set, tikiyah throughout, tikiyah is a mitzvah, one unit. Then what's God saying? Well, when you convene the people, you do half the mitzvah, just do a tikiyah. The Gebra says, Amarachmana. It doesn't make sense. Ela must be what? That each sound is a separate mitzvah. So instead of doing all three, God's telling when you, when you convene the people, you only have to do the tikiot. Uh, you don't have to do the teruah. Okay, but at least it's a complete mitzvah. It wouldn't make sense to, that God would be telling Moshe to do half a mitzvah. Because if it's one unit, God said, don't do the teruah, just do the tikiot. What's the tikiot? Tikiot without teruah is half a mitzvah. Doesn't make sense. Ella must be it's three mitzvot. And definitely just tell him to do the tikiot. So at least you're doing a complete mitzvah. Rabbi Yehuda, hai, how how this simana be'al ba'udata? He says it's not a mitzvah at all to blow these uh, shofarot over there. That one. That one. That one. Which is, that's just to convene the people. So therefore, God starts to blow, really, it's one unit. Therefore, when it comes to the Beit HaMikdash, I tell you what, it's seven. Meaning each three is considered one mitzvah. High over there, when God told him just blow tiki, oh, that's just a siman, that's just a, as a sign for the people to convene. It's not a mitzvah at all. So your contention on me, rabbis, half a mitzvah. Half a mitzvah, it's not a mitzvah at all. Rabbanan. Simanahu. You're right. It's a siman for the people. But God commanded to blow the Khatzot to make the siman. So therefore, you're right. I agree with you. It's a, it's a siman. But it's a mitzvah. And therefore, it doesn't make sense to say it's one. Because then you're saying God's talking to do every mitzvah. Look at Rashi. Two lines on the bottom. This is the Biudas. This is the Biudas. This is the Biudas. This is the Biudas. This and therefore, God said, only do the tiki'ot mitzvot, don't do the teruah.